readings today in the common lectionary include the two we have heard, as well as a passage from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. This passage sheds a little more light on the other two readings, so I wanted to bring it to your attention as well. The passage from chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians includes the well-known verse, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, God will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This has always been a comforting passage, particularly during those times when we are sorely tried, to use an old expression. God wants us to resist the temptation to sin, but is fair about it. There is always another option for us to take. The old slang expression, the devil made me do it, may be amusing, but actually the devil can't make us do anything. We always have a choice, thanks to God. When we think about our own behavior, how we act in the eyes of God, we should not forget that what we do not only affects ourselves, but those around us. And particularly, it affects our fellow Christians, those in our community, those who share the fellowship of Holy Communion. One person's behavior affects all. We cannot be separated from the body of Christ, nor do we want to be. In 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on to say, and you will recognize some of these words from the communion prayer. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. Our sin is not just a crime against ourselves. It strikes a blow against all of our fellow Christians as well, for we are one body. And since we are one body with Christ, it is also a crime against him. God's promise that I will not be tempted beyond what I can bear is protection not just for me alone, but for all my fellow Christians as well. For one person's sin affects everyone, and even our Lord Christ feels the hurt. Through communion with Christ and our community of Christians, we draw strength and sustenance to be able to serve God. What strengthens me in taking the bread and drinking the cup also strengthens all of you. But if I try to go against God's will, I weaken both the bonds among us and each of you individually. We may ask ourselves, what constitutes sin? In the biblical examples, particularly in the Old Testament, it was usually worshiping other gods or worshiping statues of other gods, which is idolatry. In several passages of the books of Moses and all through the books of Joshua and Judges, the people of Israel turned away from gods and set up idols and Asherah poles, which were monuments to the Canaanite gods. This sin directly contradicted the first commandment about serving no other god but our god. Israel seemed to have a lot of trouble keeping their focus on God. We wonder what the temptation was. Well, perhaps it was that the Canaanite God didn't seem to mind if the people drank and 
caroused and committed sexual sins. In other words, the people could do pretty much as they wanted, whereas our God called them to a higher standard. Now, I don't encounter much worship of the Canaanite God these days, so I don't think that's really our problem. Yet it is related to the question of sin today. For if I choose to serve my own appetites, then I am not serving God. In general, if I put my wants above what I am called to do, that is sin. It is truly a turning away from God. It is also a turning away from my obligations to the rest of the body of Christ, which is all of you. Putting myself first ignores your wants and needs and weakens the whole body. Now, in the gospel today, Jesus talks about a pair of tragic events which befell some Galileans. We only ever hear about these occurrences in this passage, and they are certainly tragic. Worshippers killed by the governor Pilate and a tower which falls and kills 18 people. The details are not important, except that one tragedy is perpetrated by a person and the other seems to be an accident. Now, Jesus' disciples might well have thought, as was common, that bad things happen to you if you disobey God. And there are examples in the Bible of certain Jews not following God's commands and being punished for it, such as when the people disobeyed God during the Exodus, or as in the case of Saul's kingship being taken from him because he did not do as God told him to do. But these were direct actions taken by God against individuals, and it does not follow in general that personal misfortune will befall you if you sin. But Jesus wants his disciples and us to understand that when we sin, we must repent. Eternal life is a free gift of God, given through God's grace and entirely in God's control. We do not earn this gift by doing good, and repentance does not guarantee in any way that we will receive the gift. But acting in faith and honesty puts us in right relationship with God, as God meant us to be. Being in right relationship with God means that when we turn from God and act against God's will for us, and then ask for forgiveness, we will be forgiven. And fortunately, God always gives us a second chance. That is the lesson of the parable of the fig tree. Though it has failed to produce fruit for three years, the landowner agrees to give it one more chance. And not only does he grant it an extra year, he allows the gardener to help it to produce by fertilizing it and improving the soil. God does the same with us if we are willing to accept it. God wants us to succeed and will give us what we need in order to do so. The sum of all this is that we are responsible for our behavior. God gives us guidelines, both concrete ones given to us all, such as the Ten Commandments, and individual assistance given to us through our consciences and through prayer. God also always gives us a chance to act correctly by not tempting us beyond our strength to resist. But if we choose to ignore the guidance, we do so at our own risk, and the risk of going against God, of turning our backs on God, is that God 
may turn his back on us.